So maybe maybe I'll go back and reread the first three parts in a row and see if it <laughs> it's gibberish or not. No, don't, do don't it. go back. Don't and do it. No, no, no. Don't do it. No way. Do not. Don't no, do it. No, no, but, Pat. Okay. No, don't do it. Hello, and thank you for tuning into this week's episode of Writers Group Book Club. We are a group of authors actively honing our craft while encouraging each other and our audience to just keep writing. We each have a project on the go, so we take turns reading each other's newest drafts and discussing them here. Today, we'll be discussing elements of a good story and my latest draft of Milkweed Monarchy. Um, so let's get right into it. So I, I chose six elements. Um, you can choose whatever you want, but... These are the six, and I kind of organized them into the things that you're going to sort of come up with first, and then the things that you're either going to develop in your planning stage or, or as you're writing. Um, so the first three things are character setting and premise. So character, you should probably know kind of before you start writing, um, like a description of your character, a bit of their backstory and their motivation. And I would say like the motivation is what's going to really change your character from like a good character to a great character because you could give your character no motivation and just they get whisked up in the story but um at some point they're going to start making decisions and their motivation should drive their decisions if they're a great character i think um the next is setting we did a whole episode on setting lance discussed it uh so i won't get into too much but um let's see your location the human and non-human attributes of your setting um, the time period you're in. And then I would argue that kind of in this context, you could include genre in your setting because it kind of like influences your story externally the same way that the location and the time period do. Like if if your genre is like a Western, nobody's like confused why the guns start going off or whatever. Um, and it's just another, I, I feel like it should be part of the setting in this context. Uh, and then premise and premise is kind of what we pitched in our pitch party, maybe like the third pitch where it was one or two sentences. Um, and it's basically the situation. Maybe you're introducing your critical conflict. And, uh, if you're using a trope last chapter, Lance did a heist and you kind of know, like when those people are getting, you know, their gang together or whatever, you sort of know those key elements of a heist and you can kind of start imagining what, um, the story is going to look like going forward. Uh, this time I used um, the kind of interrogation trope and it's not confusing because you've seen it before, which is useful often. Um, so I think, yeah, those are the first three elements that you kind of come up when you're coming up with the idea for your story. And a good example, I think of this is, it's also how you're going to get your story noticed. Um, so I think one with three good ones for this is the, I don't know if you guys have watched Dexter, but great character. I mean, they chose a serial killer who was uh, adopted by a cop. And then his motivation is guided by um, the cop teaching him to do good with his serial killer tendencies. And then the setting, uh, we're in the Florida Keys and it's like a cop drama. And then the premise is that he's going to be murdering people on the side, but for good. Um and uh, anyways, so I thought that, but I also didn't necessarily like the show, but the premise was fantastic in the, the first three of the elements. Um, so then the second thing, this is, a, so 
Uh, the ones I've chose are plot, writing style, and theme. And I think you can kind of decide on these after the first three. Um, so if you're a planner, you're going to have decided your plot probably mostly before you even start writing. Um, and that'll include your sub-conflicts, your character arcs, uh, the resolution to your major conflict. And uh, the way that Lance is explaining this, and I'm going to steal it, is, um, and it's something good to keep in mind when you're planning your plot, is to treat your problem-solution pairs like brackets in a mathematical equation or Excel formula so that the last solution comes from the first problem and so on. Um, so the largest conflict should be introduced early and then resolved late. Um, and that's why often kind of the climax won't ha need much of uh, like a, a conclusion portion of your book because you've already pretty much resolved everything by the time the climax is done. But you can have, use a really good, use this tool to like add another element of resolution into your conclusion if you have like a small problem like, uh, hey, Janet, where's my T-shirt? And then the aliens come and then take away Janet or whatever. So the climax is Joe retrieving Janet from the UFO. And then when he gets her off and everything's fine, she says, your T-shirt's under your bed or whatever. And um, next is writing style. Some of these things you have to decide on, obviously, before you start writing, like what perspective you're going to be writing from. Uh, in terms of like the narration, are you first person, third person, whatever narration? Uh, the pros, um, this is something I'm not overly versed on, but uh, it'll all kind of go towards your atmosphere, which Jess has done a great episode on and um, definitely is something that you should choose before you start writing, but it's also something that's going to kind of develop as you're writing. Um, and then theme. Um, so I don't have much arts formal education past high school. And I remember high school being a little bit confused about theme because they make you like justify it by reading back through Romeo and Juliet or whatever and looking for symbols and, and all that nonsense. But basically a theme to me is like the purpose of your story. Like, why are you writing this story? What's the message? And uh, what do you want your reader to take away? Um, I think a, one of my favorite books and one that I like a lot because of the theme is Catch-22. I don't know if you guys have ever read that, but uh, the theme is super apparent and it's basically like war is absurd. So I think, yeah, those are my six elements, character setting, premise, plot, writing style, and theme that make a good story. So I'll ask uh, Lance and Jess, what do you think makes a great story? Putting us on the spot. Mm-hmm. Um, let me think about what makes a great story. I'll give you a couple, while I do that, I'll give you a couple of thoughts on what you said. Um, I really like your list of six items. When you said character, one thing that I have trouble with is actually physically describing my characters. I'll usually like, you know, I make a point of trying to get into their motivations and, and, and personality and stuff pretty quickly so that people, the reader can expect, can know what to expect from the character. But I've, uh, I definitely think that I could physically describe my characters more. A lot of characters don't get any physical description, and I need to work on that more. Um, did you, uh, when you wrote your current chapter, because I have a lot to say about your current chapter, we'll get to that. Did you research the interrogation trope, Pat? I literally was like, 
reliving um that second season or no the first season of uh, uh true detective so yeah i was trying to copy that completely for me i think sorry lance if i can just jump in because i just had a thought i think so like all the elements you listed are things that are needed for a good story i think that they show up in different um like ingredients like if you're making a cake like obviously a cheesecake is different from like a birth birthday cake like a funfetti birthday cake so for me personally I do not like books with heavy-handed themes I find it can be or come across as clunky like I um, also don't love books that are super like heavy on like mystery box um tropes for example like it's a mystery within a mystery within a mystery which is why like I think a show like we talked about before Westworld doesn't just doesn't get me so much um because I don't want to feel like I'm solving a puzzle every time I open a book but it's different for everyone right so you as a writer are coming up with that unique like amount of ingredients for your story I think what makes a great book is if it transcends genre if anyone can pick up your work and read it and enjoy it it has propelled you to this other sphere where you know only a certain number of people can like really attest to the fact that for example sorry I'm I'm losing my train of thought a little bit but like for example everyone who's seen the movie E.T. loves that movie um and it's like a sci-fi family film and there's something in the magic of making art where um, you get you get these things that can just transcend genre and people everywhere fall in love with them. And that is so hard to do. And we will never do that. You know, we're all aspiring to that, but that's never going to happen just because it's so rare when it does. But that's really what I think makes like a great piece of art, whether it be you know, painting, reading, watching on the TV. Like, I don't know. Can anyone else think of examples of that? Red Hot Chili Peppers. Who knew that they liked yeah, funk music great. until listening to the Red Hot Chili Peppers? My dad loves the chili. They, they were like the most popular band in the world for a long time, Lance. I see your face. But... They, were, they, were, they were very popular. It's true. I know. Anyways. Um. <laughs> but I think that's a good I think that's a, that's it's, You're right. It got a lot of people into different genres of, of yeah. music that's a good point but in it's an interesting point too because like they had their number one single like under the bridge came out at a time when like britney spears was like in pop music you know like it, it and it transcended all of that to make it to the top of the charts at a time when you know pop music was like super popular so i don't know i think that's actually a really good example how about the tv show game of thrones which which yeah everyone armies was fantasy. watching yeah people who would, didn't care for magic and dragons and stuff were into it um i think for me so yeah. what what did it yeah what makes it great you know? i have a really a terrible answer but i think it's the most accurate one for me is good execution right and that's like that's it's just a terrible answer because it just means be, be better right and that's that's not going to help anyone actually be, be better but like these these things that like to like to like to if you like to take something from one genre and then make it popular for everyone or make it like accessible to everyone 
it's just got to be really good. And that's so hard to do. Right. But you can find those things. Right. Like Harry Potter's. Another yeah, exactly. One. Like people said they hated reading until they picked up a Harry Potter book. Twilight for the girlies out there. We all know the girlies know Twilight was huge, like for getting girls into young adult fantasy. Um, Probably also Fifty yeah. Shades of Grey. It got everyone into like yes. romance. Erotica. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it was huge for that. I was going to say for what makes a great story. Maybe this isn't a universal truth, though, the same way that you guys both are. Because you could do this and it'd still be shit. But I think like probably if you look at most like classics or great stories, they did something for either the they brand new or they did something in a different way. Innovative. Mm-hmm. Like they were all yeah. you, you can like execute a perfect version of Romeo and Juliet, but it's not going to be like a great like it has to be something new. I mean, that's a terrible example because it's like nobody rewrites books really, but you know what I mean. But no, you bring up another great point because like Romeo and Juliet's a story we love hearing, but if you take a movie like one that recently came out in, I think it was like 2008 or 2009, which was just like a straight up retelling Romeo and Juliet set in like the 1400s in the Renaissance and like it did terribly. But I don't know how many of you guys have seen Baz Luhrmann's version of Romeo and Juliet set in the 90s Venice Beach, California, um, super bombastic with like lots of colors, super modern film with Shakespeare, like telling Shakespeare's story. And it was huge. It was a huge phenom and spawned all these other like modern Shakespeare adaptations. So like that actually, I think Pat is a really, is really uh, an astute observation. That's a, I think that's a thing in opera too, where you do a retelling in a modern, in a modern setting. Like they did Rigoletto in Vegas, in a Vegas setting. And Rigoletto is like a really like, like, uh, you know, they go through the, the the underbelly of society a little bit for parts of the story. And so it really fit well. I love that you love opera. That's a thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I have one, one more thing, I think, that makes a great story. And for I really like, so I was looking at those six things you listed, Pat. When the, there's the, these could all be mini arcs, right? The character arc, setting arc, and then like a plot arc. Maybe premise there isn't really one, an arc for that. That's more like the arc for that would be more like a premise and plot. Movie. I feel like are pretty similar, but okay. I think like the premise is like the initial setup, and then the plot right. is like how the story goes forward. At least that's how I, when I was explaining it, what I meant. And then say writing style can absolutely be part of this, and I have a specific example. And then theme, if we take all those things and weave them all together into the story with their own problems, and if you can resolve them all together at the same time, it would it will give such a crazy, satisfying ending, right? Because you're mixing all these things together at once. And I really, and I, I really, I really find that appealing in, in stories. So if you're, you know, you're using a character, the character arc is like the character is like resolving their biggest problem arc as they're saving the world, right? Which is, which is maybe a problem with the setting. And they're also stopping the bad guys, which is the problem with the plot. And you bring together all these disparate um, points in one really satisfying conclusion. I would, I think that for me would be the, the, 
the most satisfying story. And the way you could do it, include writing style, is like with the movie Memento, where the way they tell the story by using the time jumps um, is is weaved, completely weaved into, it's necessary to tell the story that way in that st- writing style because of the plot and the character, right? Totally. I think like Lance brings up like another good point and like not to always talk about Lord of the Rings, but like when we we did like the movie watch episode when we had the watch party, like we talked a little bit about how how well Peter Jackson knew his audience because he gave Aragorn a, a character arc in the movie that or in the series of movies that did not exist in the book and so it makes it such a more satisfying watch for a general audience that is not as entrenched in like fantasy fiction that maybe wouldn't understand that as well and like he did it to connect more people to the film and so you have the character arc of him um becoming a a worthy king like alongside all these other things happening and it just makes it so much more satisfying Um, which is a great change i think an amazing change yeah all right. Um, should I do my little summary? Okay, it's going to be a little because I didn't prepare anything. I'll, it's not actually that much happened in this chapter. Uh, okay, so we meet a new character named Buck. He's a cop who's on the case of uh, something we're not sure of yet, um, but he's being shaken down by two henchmen because he's clearly you know, barked up the wrong tree uh, investigating something. Um, so we actually, I guess, immediately find out what he's investigating. It's the same thing that Maggie Harris was looking into in the uh, last chapter. And it's that mysterious deaths of a bunch of kids, um, who flew North as they were supposed to. Um, uh, and he explains to the henchmen who shake it out of him that he went up North, uh, found that the, some strange things were going on in the new city, um, they didn't have any milkweed of their own and they were shipping it in from the South along with slave labor, uh, which is then what he started investigating. But he, but when he left to bring that up back at the station, he had a tail. So he flew home in the blimp that was bringing the milkweed up and uh, met a native girl um, who... He then connects with Maggie. Uh, we jump back and forth between that story and Maria Posa, who continues her lessons, starts becoming suspicious of Tia and Maria for not acknowledging the changing weather and her likely destiny of flying south. And um, then she goes into a chrysalis, same with her sisters, her first sister, is hatched first, but then freezes to death overnight in the frost. And Maria Posa hatches the next day. Now the the heir to the throne as the first sister uh, has died. Uh, it's then revealed that the native girl that Buck met on the blimp is actually Ada Harris, who swoops in with the rest of the uh, slaves from the blimp to break Buck out of his interrogation room and uh, that's where we leave the chapter can i go first 
I have a bunch of notes, but this was maybe my one of the favorite chapters I've ever read in our uh, in our from either of you. This was so good because it did the thing I like the most, which is the awesome reveal and all the perfect foreshadowing that led up to it in incremental uh, steps. Um, so I'm going to get to that at the end because it happens at the end. So I'll go through my other comments quick. Uh, I thought it was really interesting the way you set up the interview. Um, at first I was like, wait, what's happening? I was like, wait, the cop is here. Wait, the cop is getting interviewed. And it's like, oh yeah. Okay. It was, you know, I usually assume the cops are doing the interviewing, but here he is. He's basically been kidnapped by henchmen and he's and he's getting interviewed and it was a really good information session, right? You're just, you're just shoveling food, you know, to the reader. And it's so interesting and high tension and conflict filled to read. Uh, but we're getting so much like value, so much information per, per page. Right. But it's really fun and interesting to read. And I, I really like when, when, um, when I get that in books because it's fun and interesting to read, but you're also getting a lot of information at once. I thought there was a couple of really good lines. One of my favorite quotes was uh, when they ask, when the, uh, the henchmen are asking him, why didn't he do something? And he says, well, why didn't you, you sickos? You were there too, unless you expect me to believe that you've st they've started handing out Polaroids of dead guys to a couple of mugs like you. I thought that was a great quote. Um, it was a big, like, tough police guy quote. Uh, so I thought that was cool. I really like the dynamic between the, the cop and the two henchmen that are interviewing each other. And then I feel like we get really the major plot item or one of the major plot items of the whole story here, which is that every year, which is a, most butterflies don't even live a whole year. A year, a year is a really long time. Every year, butterflies go down to the wintering forests and these are invaders, right? And then when spring comes back, they start migrating back north, north again and making new settlements. But, uh, um, and then those eventually die. Where while the Winchwicks are and the uh, and the church are getting fat off the spoils um, throughout, and then you had the reveal about about um, about Ada Harris. So we've known about Ada. You have two timelines going on, right? You have um, you have uh, Princess Maria Posa and the and Tia and Maria in the future, telling talking to each other and learning history. And then you have the events of the past happening as well in the same time, uh, the same time interspersed with that. And you've been doing that since the start. And now you've woven it together with uh, it's a really good kind of like system you've you've done, especially for this specific reveal. Uh, so I didn't see it coming at all. And you had all the foreshadowing right there. It was so good. Uh, so what happened was we meet Apony who's uh who's the who's one of the slaves and one of the kind of leaders of the slaves that they rescue and then in the interview or in the uh as they're trying to escape the police station uh the the cop buck tells maggie harris oh uh go here's the paperwork to to declare her that she's your daughter this way you'll help her escape so and then you say oh maggie couldn't even remember her name and which you showed us earlier because she couldn't remember her name. And then she fills out the paperwork with a different name. And then you end the chapter. And then you go to the future where Tia and Maria 
asks is doing her history lesson. And she's like, so does anyone remember uh, who in the next part of her history lesson, who Ada Harris's the famous Ada Harris's mom is, and then the chapter ends. And then your next chapter, Buck is getting interviewed. And then he gets rescued by uh, Apony, who her name change was to Ada Harris, who we've known all along. Uh, so this was a really good way to, um, I just thought this was a great reveal. Um, I think you did everything right. All the little sprinkles of foreshadowing. I was so frustrated with myself that I didn't see it coming. And that's how I know it was a good, re- a great reveal. That's sweet. I thought you could, would have guessed it. That's why I revealed it so early. No, I thought it was, I just thought it was, personally, I was, I just was floored. I thought it was awesome. Yeah. And that's all my comments. I just, I, I'm, I seriously like wasn't expecting like a, like a huge, I wasn't expecting that at all. And it was just a, a great reveal. This was just fantastic. Um, okay. So I guess like just beforehand, like, I just want to confirm, like, this is no longer a young adult book, right? You're right. I've abandoned that. Okay. So we're okay. Um, because I think some of my comments had to do with like, just, um, I was kind of like, you know what, like this is no longer reading like a YA, like if that's what Pat's trying to do. Okay. So I'm glad to hear that. Um, I, so I agree. Like I thought the reveals were really well. Like I have a lot of similar comments to Lance. I think that I have some mixed feelings about, um, the like tough guy butterflies. Like I'm just missing, I think some of the whimsy that you had earlier, um, like with, you know, the houses and stuff like that. But I don't know if you're trying to go with like tough guy cop thing or, and it's not young adult anymore, then maybe keep that in. Um, but yeah, like I kind of felt like that was pulling me out of the story a little bit. Like it would, do, do you know what I mean? Like, is that, is that note landing like a little bit or like, am I just not picking up what you're throwing down so on this? I guess what I'm trying to do is change the style each chapter. So like, okay. I'm not going to stick with this tough guy stuff. Um, okay. And I think like the first two chapters are quite different also. Yeah, I think for me, okay, so we can get, we can come back to that here. I'll just read off my notes now. So how I understood with the chapter, um, how the chapter was going was that we are learning that the milkweed is being shipped up from the South with chrysalises attached. The chrysalises that are attached then hatch like in the Northern region where they're not from. And the ones that are hatched are put to work in like, quote unquote, slave labor, harvesting more milkweed. That's correct. Yes. Okay. Um, and then I, I actually didn't pick up that, like the church and other people were getting a cut of it. Um, so I'm not sure if that needs to be like a little bit more like fleshed out. Just, um, that was something I didn't pick up. Um, but it was making sense to me why they would need to do that because like they're losing their food sources up North, um, because the winter is coming and no one wants to acknowledge it. Right. So of course they need to like bring these like other butterflies up um for that reason i actually thought for a second that the kid named uh a pony or sorry i I don't know if i'm pronouncing that correctly was maria posa for a second um because the names were kind of similar and then when i was like oh it's ada like okay that makes sense like that clicked for me and then they had the reveal which was great um i also wrote i said these butterflies have a curious amount of tech at their disposal um 
I, yeah, I kind of liked the more whimsical atmosphere from before. So I was missing out on that a little bit. Um, I, and also the reveal that Buck was um, uh, Maggie's son, that made sense to me. Um, And it made sense because like, he's also interested in poking around and sharing some of those similar traits to his mother. So I thought that was a good connection in through. Oh, that was actually, Um, that's not correct. Oh shit! He okay. so what, the, what I was trying to do with that was set up that the his plan had been foiled. He basically tells Maggie and and then Apony to follow him. He's he call, makes a phone call on the tapped wire like the wired phone, expecting that then he'll be picked up by those henchmen no matter what. So he makes that call, tells them follow me until you figure out where I'm going, and then go to the station and get you know, the cops to come and then he makes that call to his mother and leaves a message and the, the henchmen think that, and he hears him say, uh, the, uh, you two be safe or whatever. And they figured out that was Maggie. And then they also thought it was his mom who was there. So they went okay. and kidnapped his okay. mom and Maggie and Apony was not kidnapped. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So sorry. I, I didn't get that then. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Okay. Um, I think honestly, your strongest sections are with Maria Posa. Those are my favorite ones to read, actually. Um, I think partly because I love the trope of like, and, and this is why I also love Game of Thrones, like the prince princess who is promised the one that's going to lead the people like away from the, the impending doom. Um, I also thought it's interesting that she has said like she wants to be queen or whatever, but she's not in line necessarily to be queen. Like she has to hatch out of the chrysalis first and, um, and she is not the first to hatch. It's actually her sister. And so for a moment I was very worried that, you know, she wasn't, or like you know like i knew because she's the main character that she's going to get that character arc but it's still fun to get that moment of is it actually going to happen and then there's this terrible scene where the frost is coming you know the promise of winter is coming and um her unfortunately her sister dies in the night and they have to go make sure that the king the king is still okay um, so there's maybe some foreshadowing there that if the king were dead, then Maria Post has to be queen and she has to lead her people um, to safety. So I think you made a bit of a promise there um, and it remains to be seen if that will be followed through. But yeah, it was good. Um, I think I had a few issues like just with some of the dialogue, like following along with the which Lance didn't. So, you know, keep that in mind, too, because if someone's picking it up. And the other person isn't, it could just be, you know, me needing to read it a second time or whatever. Um, because sometimes I do have to do that with books anyway, um, to, to get what they're throwing down. Um, but uh, like if the two of us didn't understand that that's something you have to go back and 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 um, think about. But um, I don't think like you're needing to rewrite anything. Um, okay. And then I had other comments being like... Uh, if if this is young adult, like you need to fix some of the language, you need to fix some of that and that. Um, but yeah, so one thing I do want to mention about um, like theme and consistency in writing is is that like yes, you can do d- chapters differently, but I don't know if I'm such a fan of you 
changing it up so much like the style of of the different chapters just because like you want to make sure there is kind of that through line of consistency this is a first draft um so I'm not like so concerned with it like keep doing what you're doing but just maybe like a suggestion for future to to think about but yeah otherwise like good job I enjoyed it okay yeah one thing is the not making the connection for like the church getting wrapped up in the kind of conspiracy that's okay that's like my next chapter i will and i purposely didn't give you that information yet okay just just lance is continuing to be very smart galaxy brain guy (laughs) thank you you read for that stuff though you read for that stuff. Um, That's the shit you like. I, I, I'm looking so for tuned, secret. You're I'm in. looking for secret cabals at every step. You are. <laughs> um, it's my second favorite thing in books, apart from climaxes. Um, True. So I was really yeah okay. So I was you're you're right. The writing style changes. I was okay with it, but I think you know I had a break between reading the last section, the current section, so. I think now, like, I don't think of it. I don't know if I've ever read a book that like experimented with changing writing styles drastically, not drastically, but substantially every like section. Right. But I think it could work. And I think it actually interestingly ties into Pat's lesson for today, where writing style is one of the five points. Right. And thinking about what I said about memento, you could use the change in writing style right to as to be part of the story to be a feature of the story right where it could tie in thematically with other parts of the story right you as a whimsical like there's a whimsical section i don't know how this would work in in execution but that's already doing it and i think that the through line is maria posa and or and tia anna maria who are who have a consistent style the whole way through so far Yeah, it, it, listen, like, I'm, um, I'm just saying, like, as a reader, um, this, that's just kind of what I prefer, like, we're here to gently critique each other's work. So I just wanted to, like, throw that out there, like, that might not be my favorite thing, but knock yourself out and, and have at her and try it. And, you know, um, like, really, like, at the end of the day, if you put it up on Amazon, like this is one of those things where some people are going to love it. Some people are really not going to love it. You know, like you um, as a writer can choose to be someone's like Marmite or you can choose to be the peanut butter, right? So you can choose the style that you know everyone's going to like and want to read, or you can choose to be Marmite, which like some people are going to love and be super into. And some people are really not. What a great expression. You know? Um, That's a great expression. I've never heard that before. Yeah, that's like um uh that was a line like when I lived in the UK they they used to say a lot like oh yeah no he's like marmite you know you either love him or you hate him, um but like a, a marmite book for example for me would have to be um like Colleen Hoover I you guys probably have not read any of her books but she writes like very intense romances with characters that are really not well suited to each other and are often like kind of shitty to each other and it's so not my cup of tea and everyone I talk to who's read her books friggin loves her so whenever I find another person that's like 
I hate Colleen Hoover. I'm, I'm like, thank you so much for just existing and validating my feelings. Um, so yeah, like, like uh, before I run off on another tangent, um, I just wanted to throw that out there. And, you know, at the end of the day, like you choose who you want to be as a writer and freaking go for it, you know, just go for well, it. Well, just now in my reflection on that, I so I switched in the first like four chapters or whatever. I've got him basically explaining the story in first person. But then I switched to the, like, I guess like a flashback of him actually going through the motions narrated and everything when he meets Apony and everything. So maybe I need to add some of the whimsy back into that. And I don't know. I'll, I'll think about that some more. Well, no, you don't have to. Like I'm saying, well, that's you don't sort have of what to. I was but aiming what I'm for point- with that anyways. Yeah. But what I'm pointing out to you is that you have like your through line, which is a young princess who's turning into a caterpillar in a beautiful lush green forest with her aunt telling her a story, right? That's like super whimsical, super YA kind of moment. And then you have um, like literally Ada Harris, like being like a warrior conqueror in the style of Game of Thrones. And then you have like people who Midwest who are like up in the Midwest being very quaint and cute in their homes you know they're very cute little homes with like leaves and sap and like whatever very like again whimsical but uh, like you know with completely different accents and um and then you go to like two tough guy cops literally snapping photos and being on the phone with each other you know so I kind of feel like I've gone from um like the princess bride to sleepless in Seattle to true detective and it's fine that you're doing that I'm like, I I just wanted to point that out to you because that's what it's feeling like for me right now. Um, and it's not like a bad thing. I'm, I'm just like, I, I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't tell you like the, the, the jumps like are happening, the changes are happening. And if that's something you're intentionally doing, then that's fine. But you might want to think about that, like moving forward. Um, just so you keep like a consistency. So if we go back to like the Midwest area, you know, you want to like really make sure you're hammering home like that atmosphere versus like the atmosphere of like a cop place or whatever, you know? Um, okay. I am aware that I'm doing it. Like, so I guess that's okay. something. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. And I also have no idea where I'm going from here. That was like <laughs> potentially going to be the big finale reveal, but that's, that's how I feel too. Oh my God. Like with this book now that I'm fucking just, just, it's like every time I press on the keyboard, it's like a win. So um, yeah, this, this book I'm writing now is going to be very, very short, but you know, like another thing I want to point out is that um like these are all new stories that we pitched literally a few months ago and most writers spend years and years and years and years thinking about what they want to write and it's it's hard to friggin write on the fly so you know take your take your risks and have fun and whatever and, we're not getting paid for and ridiculous pitches are surprisingly fun to write so it's true <laughs> Also, I don't think they're so fun. That, no, I mean, they're fun to write the pitch part. I'm not talking about the actual book. Yeah. Oh, the, <laughs> the pitch is great. To yes, write. that is a hundred percent what that is all about. We also picked each other's books, right? So you didn't Hello. even get to, yeah. So maybe, 
Maybe I'll go back and reread the first three parts in a row and see if it <laughs> it's gibberish or not. No, don't, do don't it. go back. Don't and do it. No, no, no. Oh, don't do it. Do no way. Do not. Don't no, do it. No, no, but, Pat. Okay. No, don't do it. I reread Two Moons Part One. The first time I reread it uh, was three and a half months after finishing it. So. Don't go back. Yeah, I would and read no. whatever you do. Because you're yeah, gonna get caught but, up, you'll want to make edits, and then you'll be scared of consistency stuff, and just leave it. Just keep writing, keep moving forward. All that is I so easy to make fix Buck old. Yeah, that's fine. But just leave, you just put a note in the book, make Buck old, and just keep writing forward. Mm-hmm. Don't go back. It takes too much time. Whenever I go back and like read my old stuff, like the like half of like half of the stuff, I'm like this should like be burned. And then the other half, I'm like, this isn't so bad. Like, it's not always the good feeling. So just don't do it until, like, you absolutely have to, you know? So. One day. Yeah, just keep just keep writing. One day, I'll share my my 120-page short story with you guys, the first thing I wrote. But the first, like, third is really bad. I remember rereading it. It's unreadable. But the second, the, the, then the rest is okay. You know what? I need to break out some of the fan fiction I wrote, like in high school, um, just to shame myself. Um, I will not be participating in this. It's too embarrassing. (laughs) Writing as a craft is so hard because you have to start somewhere. I guess, like, that's what it is with everything, eh? Like, Lance, when you put your rings in your basement, were you, like, good at them? Nope. So how did you learn? I couldn't even balance uh like in a like in like a stand like with your like a like a dips position. I couldn't even balance for more than like ten seconds or something. Just I don't know, every day I do a little bit. You're so disciplined. Please teach me. I haven't worked on my book since I last submitted the heist chapter. But I, I don't know. I, well, I, I kind of know no what's hope. coming. No, no, no. It's, it's all good. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I'm going to nail it too. I'm really, after really optimistic after the, after the feedback I got from you guys about the heist chapter, I'm feeling really good about my book. And I think that oh, I, I'm so I think glad. I hit a, like, I was kind of thinking like, man, nothing's happened to my book. I know I'm writing good scenes and stuff, but I, and then I feel like I really nailed the action segment right there. And I have a lot of other big action segments coming up. Oh man, yeah, just like, oh my god, just a shame. <laughs> You're going for it in my old fan fiction art. Go for it. Oh, you shouldn't have told us oh. that's what you were doing, and we should have done fan oh, fan make, or classical us- it. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't use any of these. It's so embarrassing. When was this one written? I have one that was written in 2008. Nice. I have one that I wrote in 2009. Oh man, it's like a lot of okay, this is so embarrassing. <laughs> Whatever, it's it's Twilight. There's Firefly fanfic. Firefly. That's like an OG. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Any Firefly apologists on here? Apologists. Oh, I have one in the category of Greek mythology. Oh nice. And then there's a lot of Assassin's Creed fanfic. <laughs> Solid. That's awesome. 
You were so cool in 2008-2009. Don't you wish? Like, I think we probably would have been friends. I guarantee it. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Oh, there there is some Indiana Jones fic. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Okay, and a Star Wars fic. But that's all done. We're done with that now. I do actually have some fanfic classic lit. You ready with one? Yeah, if you yeah, want let's some. do fanfic or classic lit. Which, by the way, is not me. <laughs> or so okay, you claim. This is not from my art. So it is the classic lit then. Um, lol. This is. So I'm just gonna tell you. We need the theme song for fanfic or classic lit. So this is from the Chronicles of Narnia. Fanfic or classic lit. Very, very big fanfiction archive on fanfiction.net. Okay. How fanfic or classic lit works is I'm going to read out a selection of fanfiction or from the actual text of the novel. And Lance and Pat will have to guess if it is actually fanfiction or classic literature. So the selection is coming in in three, two, one. He shivered and hugged his arms around his legs tightly, burying his head in his arms. He could feel hot tears pricking at the corners of his eyes, but he refused to cry. He felt quite wretched, his body bruised and battered from his trip to the witch's castle. To make things worse, he was frozen to the bone and very hungry. Why, why did I believe her? He thought, his eyes shut. I should have known better. When she was offering me Turkish delight and being so nice, it was all fake just to get me to bring my brothers and sisters to her. I don't want to think about what she would have done to them. He shivered again, but this time it wasn't from the cold. His stomach twisted at the thought of Turkish delight and found that nothing repulsed him more than that sweet. I'm ready. Ready? That's the real deal. Yep, that's real. I remember that part for sure. Classic lit. That is actually from... A fan no way! called The Way Things Are by A. Wow. Black. So good. Did a good job. I fully yeah. placed that in my memory. I, like, yeah. yeah, I remember that part. That was incredible. <laughs> um, the story is told exclusively from Edmund's yeah. perspective. So from the beginning of the book all the way through to him ruling alongside his brother. It was published in January of 2006. It is 223,000 words That's long. That's like three times longer than the nine... actual story. <laughs> yes. It has 947 reviews. That was really good. That was, I completely fooled. How do you crank no out, I, I guess won't understand it ever, I don't think. Smashing 200,000 no, words of fanfic. Like... That's so much work. <laughs> Outrageous Pat, amount of work. This is also my point. Maybe Lance has an insight into that because it's crazy. It's objectively crazy, but maybe you just love it. A lot so of your much. work up front is done. Your character, you know, you have a, a good, a solid idea. Of your character is in your head. You know the arc, you know the plot, and all that stuff, right? So, but isn't that the part that you like? Yeah, personally. <laughs> and then the writing part is the part that you don't like. That's somewhat correct. So, aren't they just doing <laughs> writing two hundred thousand words of the hard, hard part where you actually have to put it on paper? I don't know. That's crazy. I. I See, in the very bizarre fanfic that I've sent you both in the past, all the characters have are not real and they have all their character their like their personalities are completely made up and the plot is not real and the setting's not real. It's just anyways. 
it's a coincidence. Their names are a coincidence. Guys, like, I'm just, like, flipping through this fanfic, and it's just wild how detailed it is, like, about his reign. Go on, I want to hear more. helping his brother. What's the tax rates like? (laughs) No, but literally right now, it's so hysterical. You know this person must be a historian because they're literally going on, like royal tours through narnia oh to make sure there's no uprisings <laughs> and like people are kept happy oh it's like freaking crazy oh They're, man they put a tariff like, on I, salt I, and then all the horses got men oh horses eat sugar cubes they put a tariff on sugar and all the horses revolt <laughs> oh my god it's all about the sibling rivalries guys like i really have to endorse this fanfic it sounds sibling awesome rivalries, all right Okay, so I have another selection. Um, it's also from Chronicles of Narnia, and it this one is another like fanfic or classic lit. If you guys yep, are interested, I'm ready. ready. Okay. And Peter, with his sword still in hand, went down to the lion on the eastern edge of the hilltop. There, a beautiful sight met their eyes. The sun was setting behind their backs. That meant that the whole country below them lay in the evening light, forest and hills, valleys, and winding away like a silver snake, the lower part of the great river. And beyond all this, miles away was the sea, and beyond the sea, full of clouds, which were just turning rose color with a reflection of the sunset. But just where the land of Narnia met the sea, in fact, at the mouth of the great river, there was something on a little hill shining. It was shining because it was a castle, and of course the sunlight was reflected from all the windows, which looked toward Peter in the sunset. But to Peter, it looked like a great star resting on the seashore. That, O man, said Aslan, is Kyre Paravel of the four thrones, in one of which you must sit as king. I mean, based on the fact that you were scrolling fanfics and then then read this passage, I'm going to say fanfic. I don't know. I think... I'm just so skeptical after the last one where I was completely fooled. I I'm going to go with classic lit again. You had the tab open. She just switched tabs on you. It's classic lit. Dang. That is Sneaky. from the Chronicles of Narnia. So I think I'm 0 for know, 3 on this cl- fan figure class of lit right now. <laughs> Small sample size. It's hard. And it is hard. Some of these are really good. That's what we're learning. Some of them are really good. As, and so I just want to like talk a little, well, not talk a little bit, but um, in one of my university classes, we talk about fan fiction. And the reason why people write fan fiction is because they feel that there is something lacking in the original story, which they didn't get a lot out of and therefore they feel the need to like go and write about it as like from this other perspective so like using which we're going to be talking about twilight so using the example of twilight um there is no sex in twilight or hardly any sex um but a lot of brooding and seduction and those kinds of themes so <laughs> el james capitalized on that by writing a whole erotica around bella and edward's relationship which of course blew up and then she made millions of dollars publishing it as a story with the names changed. Um, so the, the lack of sex has to be made up for in fan fiction. 
Um, and so don't write, listen, write fanfic because it's a great way to hone your craft and get immediate feedback from people who are anonymous online and can be very mean and say rude things. Yes, but it can also point you in the right direction of what kind of styles you like and what you don't like and, you know, things that work for you and don't work for you. So write your fanfiction, but if you're doing really well at fanfic, write 200,000 words of your own story. Okay. Well, yeah. mm-hmm. If you're gonna write two hundred thousand words, yeah, Our, practicing is hard. I guess as, that's where fanfic comes in. As a side note to what you said about the mean criticism, it's true. Mean criticism can really help you be better. That is true. But we, I think, as a writing group, I don't know if we ever, I don't think we ever made a formal decision, but we are overwhelmingly positive. We're more of time. a motivational that, support yeah, group. Exactly. Like we're not keeping each other going. Yeah, like I don't think like I would not have finished my last book if you both weren't giving me feedback and telling me it was good and being positive. And if I was only getting negative feedback, which again, you can get negative feedback online as much as you want. Um then I would probably not have finished. And my goal here is to have fun and to keep writing and having a positive uh, feedback space is, is um, the most helpful thing in my opinion for, for us three to keep going and just to keep writing, which will eventually help us get better. Um, could I have totally. better writing? Like hundred percent. I have tons of problems with my writing. I know, I know I do. And I'm sure I have more. I don't know about that. Destructive criticism would help with, uh, but let maybe I'll wait until I'm, you know, I've got some, some more practice under, under my belt before that. Totally. You know, I think that's like a really important thing that people need to hear. Like your first draft and your, and just trying to finish a book, it should be overwhelmingly positive because you're trying to get to the end. Your second draft, people can be more mean. So like always with my second drafts, I send things out to people who are not in the writing group, who I know will give me like very real feedback about what's working and not working. And yes, it can be hard and I get sweaty palms every time I do it. But the benefit of doing that is so insanely huge, like for just like the improvement of your second draft. So we're, yes, exactly what Lance said. We're keeping it very positive. We're trying to get people to finish their books. That's great come time for second draft. And I'm not sure maybe on this podcast, we'll do some second draft reviews at some point. Um, But that is the time to like kill your darlings, you know? Um, But yeah, first draft warm and cuddly and cozy, get that glass of wine and just keep writing. Just keep writing. Well, I just like, if someone's like listening and thinking, well, there's no way you, you guys writing is all perfect. Why are, is it so positive? Like, well, like we, we know I, I'm not, I know I'm not exactly Dostoevsky, but um, I know that I don't have any illusions as to the quality, but if I'm going to keep writing, it's nice to have people give me encouragement, you know? And by the way, Dostoevsky, I wouldn't want to read every week. So that's that not true. being Dostoevsky. That's true. That's all we have for today. If you want to do the homework for next week's episode, you'll be able to find Jess's newest draft posted on patreon.com slash wgbc podcast thanks for listening and remember to just keep writing oh my gosh my husband i I guess this is like revealing but whatever the reason pat and i know each other is because i married pat's brother um 
but this past weekend like he actually leaned out the window at someone who was biking not on a bike path like on a pedestrian sidewalk that kind of looked like a bike path and he was like just so you know that's not a bike path (laughs) and it's like do you actually need to come into conflict with this many people like in your day-to-day because they're doing something mildly bad that would be like the first chapter of the story about he oh i shouldn't use full names i'll edit that out but uh yeah, it just explains so much about your character. Is that the origin story? Yeah, no, it's a good the well, origin. It's, it's the opening scene. Connor really does toe the line between like a good a do-gooder and like a super villain. You know? He's got like, some like Larry David in him, eh? Oh, that we both know. Yeah. Connor's curse it's, it's, is that <laughs> customer service doesn't he always has poor customer service (laughs) every time we are going through a drive-thru and i've said this to multiple times i'm like something happened to you in a past life that you clearly need to figure out now because it we cannot spend 10 to 15 minutes every time at a mcdonald's or tim hortons or whatever drive-thru because you're receiving bad service on the other end like energetically you need to figure it out 